Welcome to a ride on the outside. MMA is full of people on the inside, but what about the ones that watch from beyond? Welcome to the MMA Outsiders with Tom Albano and Zan Bando on the Empty the Bench Podcast Network. Well, Zan, episode 61 is here. It's a new start time for us. Over here in New York, we just had an incredible card with two new UFC champions, one world champion, one interim champion. And now we're going, Zan, from my neck of the woods down to your neck of the woods in Chicago for a very historic Bellator MMA card. So a lot that we got to break down in this edition of the MMA Outsiders. We welcome you all to episode 61. That is Zambando. I am Tom Albano. Make sure to hit that like button, subscribe, hit the notification bell so you get notified of everything here at the Empty the Bench Podcast Network. Make sure to follow us across social media, Facebook, Instagram, and the former Twitter, which you all now know as X, at MMA Outsiders ETB. Make sure to do the same for the Empty the Bench Podcast Network across all those social media platforms as well as TikTok at ETB Network. Uh, once again, that to my right is my awesome co-host, Zan Bando. You can find his work over at BJPen.com, as well as MMA Knockout, Fan Asian, SI Affiliated. And as we kind of alluded to, well, first of all, Bellator Rankings Committee member uh, for however long Bellator is going to exist. But more importantly, Zan will be live, live coverage on the MMA Outsiders this weekend on Friday night for Bellator 301 in Chicago. So make sure to give him a follow at Zambando99, as well as following at MMA Outsiders ETB for all your live coverage for um, for Bellator 301. And then I am Tom Albano. You can find my work at Fanside MMA and now at MMANews.com. Shout out to the guys over at MMA News. Want to give also a special shout out to Curtis Calhoun, who we've had as a guest on this podcast for the hookup and getting me in there. So I want to say thank you to Curtis. And, you know, I had my first weekend for UFC 295 with those guys. You know, it's chill. It's great. It's fun. And it is good learning experience. And, well, quite, fr- and, well, quite frankly, they, you know, really care about their news. And they really care about this sport. And it's good to be around so many people who are passionate about this sport. So shout out to them. Shout out also to the PFL, because we're talking UFC and Bellator this weekend. But Zand, of course, next weekend, uh, they're going to have their World Championships card. So I'll be writing for their website, as I usually am. So that's all that. And make sure to follow me on social media at Thomas J. Albano. All right. A lot to get into, Zan. Absolutely. Before we get into it, though, you missed one specific part. Hank, Hank, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Stay tuned for an exclusive interview that will be dropping on MMA Knockout near the end of this week with a very, very important fighter and a fighter that you guys might all know very, very well that's competing in the biggest fight of his life, also taking place at the PFL World Championships in Washington, D.C. So stay tuned for all of that and much, much more. Uh, but yeah, Tom, for sure, a, a lot to get into, as you alluded to, um, the UFC was the center of the combat sports world in your neck of the woods in New York. Unfortunately, you were not there because of the gouging ticket prices. But in the UFC's defense, though, 
I do think the people that had paid the hundreds and hundreds of dollars, I, I think I can see with certainty that it got their money's worth. Did they did they not? Yeah, if you're talking about the lower ticket prices when it was like 300 to 500 maybe but those who paid the 900 i still think were a little ridiculous but you are right there was a lot of great action there was a lot of memorable moments for everyone who was there so let's dive right into it let's start with the main event alex Pereira, zen he has only had a handful of uh ufc fights let alone just mma fights in general seven mma fights seven mma fights and Zan, he already joins a select group of people, including your BJ Penn, including my Randy Couture, including Conor McGregor, Daniel Cormier, Amanda Nunes, George St. Pierre, as one of only a handful of fighters to have ever won UFC gold in two separate weight classes. He is the new light heavyweight champion, second round stoppage of Yuri Prohaska. But he also did make more special history this past week and becoming the first fighter to win the middleweight and white heavyweight titles in UFC history. Also, also very interesting to note that as well, but this is one of those fights where we were really excited about it. Uh, the buzz on social media was palpable. People were building this up as, you know, these two guys should be fighting in another, um, in, 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 in another century. Some even said that this fight has the makings of taking place in a Roman Colosseum of some sorts. We we didn't get we didn't we didn't get that spectacle, but what we he did get was we saw a masterful, masterful performance by Pereira who really did a phenomenal job in in in, in bouncing back from in my opinion what was a lackluster performance against Jan Bohovitz and then before that getting knocked up by Adesanya to absolutely stifle Yuri Prohaska. You want to talk about a dominant striking clinic, he was able to do it. The, the lead leg kicks were brutal. Um, just the way he was able to, to go after him and just hit him with big shots. It just felt like whatever Pura was able to do, Yuri, Yuri really had no answer for it. And then you get to the finish in the second round, which was a bizarre finish. Um, for those who ever haven't seen it, you know, Oh, Yuri was shooting in for a takedown, and then Pereira just starts dropping hellacious elbows. And in my opinion, the way Yuri Prohaska fell at that very moment in time of the fight, in in, in my opinion, and, and, and I know Yuri's all class and everything, but to, to me in real time, the stoppage looked a tad bit early as given the, the stakes of the fight and that it is the light heavyweight championship and you know, you kind of want to see the guy on the other end defend himself, and it looked like at first uh, Yuri was pleading his case t- to do that. Uh, but and again, he admitted afterwards in the post fight interview with Joe Rogan that that wasn't the case, and he was and he was out. I don't know if he was just saying that in the heat of the moment or if he actually believed it. But to me, I, I think it was stopped maybe two or three seconds a little bit too early. I think you let the fight play out. And see what happens from there. Um, when when you were first watching the the finish unfold, uh, what what were your thoughts? And did, did you think it was the right stoppage, or did or did you think it was too early? So at first, I thought it was. At first, I didn't even think it was too early. I thought it was a botched call at first. I thought Mark Goddard had stepped in completely too soon, and because I remember texting uh, you and a couple others, I said. There's the curse of New York. There's the curse of the light heavyweight division striking. 
with a really controversial stoppage and a stoppage that again, you know, even, even on the second look and even with Yuri's words, I still think Mark Goddard an experienced official like Mark Goddard should have let the fight play out a little longer than it should have. Now, Yuri has put us in a little situation at this point when trying to determine if that was the, you know, if that should should have been the case or not, because he said, no, I was out. And if, and if a fighter says he was out, then you have to go on with that. He was out. So credit to Mark Goddard, I guess, in that regard. But more credit, I think, to Yuri Prohaska for being such a sport. And, you know, we talk about Yuri Prohaska, Zan, basically being this vision of the old traditional martial artists and bringing those elements into the sport, which I think he did. I think he's done a fantastic job thus far. It stinks that his only title run thus far now with the UFC ended without a title defense and was vacated because of injury. Uh but it, it definitely at least was an entertaining fight. And you're right. Yuri didn't look like he had an answer for Pereira's leg kicks at first. Uh, I thought Yuri early in the second round was starting to make a bit of a comeback. And then Alex Pereira caught him uh, with a counter strike uh, coming in, which ended up leading to the finish. But yeah, overall, I wish Mark Goddard would have let the fight go on for a little longer. Is it as bad as what I thought it was like when I was first reacting? No, not anymore. I still would have let the fight played out a few more seconds, though, and give Yuri another chance. Like you said, it's Madison Square Garden, main event, light, he- light heavyweight championship on the line, a vacant title, a title that's been absolutely cursed. I feel like you got to let it play out a little more. I'll be honest, when you were texting me, my first thought was, did he just throw his remote because he's going crazy? That was, that was, my, that was, my, that was my first thought. I, I, Zan, I've had some, I've had quite some reactions this weekend between the early stoppage in that fight and between, and, and then on the, and then on Sunday night, the no goal call in the New York Rangers, uh, Columbus Blue Jackets game. I, I, I was, uh, I was, I, I feel like I turned into Nick Morgison this weekend. That is, the, the, that is too funny. Um, I, uh, I don't know. I guess the best way to put this stoppage and, uh, it's something that neither of us have touched on, so I will. That is one of the most anticlimactic stoppages in the title fight that I have ever seen. Oh, and it I definitely know, is. It definitely and, I, is. And, I know, and I know it's a and I know it's a bold statement, but trust me, if he didn't fall the way that he so I would say I mean, no, he fell into the mount, San. He fell into the mount. No, 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 no. I know, but you you know what have been you know what would have been even more brutal? Him not falling back, but if he would if he would have fallen face first, that would have been that would have been more. <laughs> that would have been yeah, well, that, would, that would have been way more brutal and not and non and non debated. That's for that's for sure. Well, isn't the rules that I shouldn't say the rule? Okay, but isn't it the what's it called? I guess the guideline that the refs yeah. are supposed to follow. If somebody face plants when they're knocked down, that's the right. fight. Right, the fight's over. Yeah, at that point. So, but that's the thing. Yuri did not face plant. Yuri fell back into the mount. Now, granted, again, he was being mounted when Mark Goddard had stepped in. But with how Yuri is, you don't think he could have done something from the bottom? It's 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 hard to tell because you don't know whether or not because you're trying to give him the chance. Right. I'm just trying. 
trying to play this out in my head, and I'm almost positive there would have been a mad scramble at the fight. At the and you would have already known that Yuri would have tried to sprawl. He would have. He would have tried. He would have tried to do everything he could. He would. He would. He would have rolled over. He would. He would have done. He would have done as much as he could physically do at that point. Yeah. Yeah. So I really feel like I feel like the fight should have been allowed to go on a few more seconds at least to see what Yuri could have done. Alas, we don't get that. And alas, with Yuri saying the comments that he did, technically, I mean, there is controversy, but there's not as much controversy now. Alex Pereira is your champion. And Zan, the only question right now is where where do both these guys go from here? I think with Pereira, Zan, and I think Dana met you at the post-fight conference, the answer is obvious. We got to get Jamal Hill healthy and back in the cage. Yeah, so I think... Well, on the flip side of that, I think Yuri Prohaska is going to fight the winner of Bohobitz and uh, Rakic. What do you What do you think? I I can totally see that. Hmm. Yeah, I mean that makes logical sense to me. Um, for those of you who don't know or have not been paying too close attention, Prayer is the third undisputed light heavyweight champion in the last year. If you can, if you can believe it. Um. So the so the carousel continues? Question mark because we don't know. If, you know. Oh, this Pereira, you know, title defense reign is going to begin on the right foot, but we hope that at least for the moment, the course of the light heavyweight division is over at least for maybe a few months and maybe some other piece of chaos that we don't know about what is going to come to fruition, but we hope that that, that doesn't happen. Nonetheless, though, Pereira versus Hill is the fight to make 100%. And then I do, I do think personally, you've alluded to it for a couple of weeks now, there's no way that with Adesanya's tweets toward Pereira that he doesn't want to come back and get one more piece of him this time in another division. I just don't buy the whole talk of him saying that he's going to return in 2027. It's not going to happen. He's going to he's going to return way before that. Yeah, <laughs> no, I could I could totally see him taking like a year off. So I could totally see him not fighting till late 24, early 25, but not 2027. No, no way. Especially if Pereira is still champion, you want, you want that fight. Correct. But granted all the controversy that we've had with light heavyweight between, you know, Yuri vacating the title and then that controversial Jan Blahovic, Magomed Ankalaya fight, which I still think Ankalaya deserves a title shot, but the UFC isn't going to allow that to happen. Plus, Ankalaev now has unfinished business with Johnny Walker, which, according to John Kavanaugh on the MMA Hour, apparently that's going to be either the main event or co-main event of the January 13th card, first card for the UFC for 2024. So we'll see what happens there. But before that, and before Adesanya's in, Jamal Hill's got to get his uh, he's got to get his shot now to get the belt back. Yeah, Jamal Hill has to get his shot now to get the belt back because he technically never lost the belt. He he relinquished the belt because he was injured, so he's the rightful number one contender and next challenger for sure in a fight that I think, personally, not to get into too much of an early breakdown, I think it's a horrible matchup for Hill. I, it really, I, I really do. If he doesn't, if he doesn't focus on his wrestling for this fight and he keeps the fight standing, I, I, I think, I think it's going to be bad news and it could end up being a really short night for the former uh, champ from Grit. And Rapids, Michigan. What do you What do you think? I th- I think we talked about this last week about what matchup is better for Hill, and I think we said Pereira would be the worst matchup 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'll have to check the tapes, but I think we said that. Yeah, I think we I think we said that too. But now that it's now that it looks like more and more so well, that, that, that it's gonna happen, or, or early looks at it indicate to me that I, I don't I, I, I don't think it's gonna go well unless he comes up with some masterful game plan to, to neutralize Pereira's just dominant striking. I, I don't I don't I don't see how he survives two rounds, maybe even maybe even three. That's what I'm. That's what I'm worried about from his sake. But nonetheless, Tom, uh, how would you rate Pereira's performance? And do you think, finally, at least for the moment, that the curse of the light heavyweight division is over and that Pereira is going to be the champion at least for a little bit? Am I impressed by Pereira's performance? Yes. Is the curse over, uh, Zen? Let's let's slow the roll here. I mean. I I I I don't know. I'm afraid. I'm like I'm looking around. I'm trying to make sure all the holy signs there, so that way I come off as pure and I'm not coming off as a jinx by saying that. I can't believe I'm going. Ah, uh, but San, what if Alex Pereira gets hurt? Could you could you see it happen or no? San, if Alex Pereira gets hurt. The light heavyweight division, Dana White, Israel Adesanya, and me, we will all be filled. Emotional damage. Yeah, That's how we're all going to get hurt. Oh, I think it would be more than emotional damage. I think things at UFC headquarters would be severely broken if, if that if that, if that, if that And if Alex Pereira gets hurt, just shudder the light heavyweight division at this point. No kidding, no kidding. You might have to, you might have to think about signing Vadim Nemkov to save the division. <laughs> yeah, wait, uh, here's Dana. Wait, you said Vadim Nemkov. I thought you said Tito Ortiz. <laughs> We're gonna bring Tito back. <laughs> Tito Ortiz, who's like, who's like fifty-two years old. <laughs> Jeez, uh, or, or or Dana. Or Dana's going to go to John Jones with a big paycheck and says, you sure you're done with 205? Yeah, I don't see John. Actually, actually, John Jones versus Alex Pereira would be a very interesting fight. The question is, is I don't think John Jones would want to take that no. fight. Because I, I think he's more worried about retirement at this point. Yeah, I, I, he's done with 205. He's, he's a heavyweight through it through now. For sure, for sure. All right, you want to move on to the co-main event? Yeah, well, speaking of heavyweights. <laughs> speaking of heavyweights, Tom Aspinall. Zan, he did it. So, Michael Bisbing, Leon Edwards, and now Tom Aspinall, British UFC champions. Uh, granted, this is an interim belt, not the actual belt, but I got to give credit where credit is due, Tom Aspinall. And no, I didn't put 69 seconds on there because it is a because it is a common nice number. No, it was the actual time. It was a minute nine seconds. That's all Aspinall needed to get the job done. Yeah, uh, shades of Brock Lesnar versus Randy Couture. In case you don't remember that, Brock Lesnar did hit him with the Temple shot and knocked mm-hmm. out Randy Couture. It was not in the same building, but it had um, it had a similar feel to it. The way that Sergey went down. And uh, Tom Aspinall said it best. He said, I'm not going to win the heavyweight title just sitting on my couch. And 
or enough on two weeks. No, Otis, he, he, he's on vacation and he's in camp, whatever he's doing. Comes in, makes it look impressively easy against a guy that everyone was not afraid of, but everyone was running into trouble with, and he made it look absolutely effortless. And to hear that he pulled the muscle in his back um, j- just, just days before the fight um, and, and, didn't, and didn't pull out is, just tells you how much winning the interim heavyweight title m- meant to him. And truly, to have two champions from England now, yeah, I know Aspinall is interim, but to have two champions from England now, English MMA could not be at a, at a, at a bigger stage and, and, and have a better look for its future than he does right now because Tom Aspinall is a scary individual. And whenever he, because this is my prediction, whenever he gets elevated to being the UFC heavyweight champion after John Jones and Steve A retire, I'm going to say it. I don't see anybody beating Aspinall for a long time. That's, it, that's what I That's what I think. Oh, that's a take. That is a take. But first of all, so you feel that John Jones and Steve A will fight their fight, and they'll both hang it up. Yeah, I think so. So that would leave Aspinall in a position to take over the heavyweight division. That is, if he's still the champion by this time, but as you just but as you just said, you don't think he's going to be beaten. Um, I will agree that by the time Jones and Miocic fight, Aspinall will probably only have made one defense of the interim belt, if not maybe a second, as I think Aspinall would be able to retain the title that retain the title up to that point. The question then becomes, you know, what happens next for Tom Aspinall? Because what I can totally see happening is, I think we kind of called it, that his first title defense takes place in London, in England somewhere. Um, and potentially, um, I'll throw again the fight that I suggested last week with an Aspinall win. Why not Tom Aspinall versus Cyril Gunn, two of Europe's biggest heavyweight stars competing in Europe in the main event? Yeah, Tom, it's a good idea, but my counter uh, to that is what's the point of making someone defend an interim title? I don't I don't see how they then because when is John when are John Jones and Steve Miocic gonna fight? Uh, my guess is going to be they're going to do everything they can to either make it happen late summer, early fall. That's what that, that's what that, that's, that's right. That's too long for a division to be held up. We got to keep the division moving at some point, and especially if you th- especially if you think Jones and Miocic are going to fight each other and then retire, we have to keep the division moving at some point. Which I again, it goes back to what we said last week. What I could totally see happening is you mentioned Brock Lesnar and Frank Mir. A Lesnar, Couture, Mir, Nogeller situation where you've got it. It sounds stupid to say, but considering the UFC is desperate for this Jones Miocic fight, you have the actual heavyweight championship, which is held in some sort of abeyance. And then you've got the interim title, which is acting more like the real title. Yeah, but I think what you're failing to realize is at least with the Lesnar, Mir, Lesnar, Mir, Nogueira situation is that at least we knew. That that was going to be that that was going to be the case because um because uh, Lesnar had been uh, I'm I'm almost positive Lesnar had been out for a certain period of time. This was before the diverticulitis situation, so at least we well, knew we also that. we also had the Randy Couture contract situation. 
Right. So that's why the interim, that's why the interim heavyweight title was put in place. At least we at least we know that the, 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 the issue that I have with the interim title is it's just like there's no contract negotiations being held up. There's, there's nothing like that. It's just that it's just that the UFC is so fixated on wanting this fight to happen so badly that they can't let it get away from them. My my question is is why? I mean, I just don't I just don't understand the point of why the interim heavyweight title right, was put well, in, me, in the first. Okay, well, let me counter this. Do you think they should have done Pavlovich versus Viochik for an interim title? Then no. Because, I, 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 and I would tell and I would tell you, Zan, and I would tell you, I think Stipe would reject any interim title fight. I think he's fixated on Jones and the actual belt. No, 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 the Jones, if the Jones Miocic thing happened and UFC is fixated, then they would have only had one title fight for this card. And as entertaining as this fight as this card was, then I don't think one title fight would have been acceptable. No, I don't think so either. But then again, you could have just made Aspinall versus Pavlovich and just made it a five round fight with no belt on the line. Which I think the UFC is starting to come around to the idea. Of maybe there have to be more five round fights. I mean, even Connor himself tweeted the idea, and I have talked about it before, of having number one contender fights be five round fights. Well, yeah, I mean, I, more so. My question to you is, I mean, do you think the interim heavyweight title in this particular instance was appropriate? Because I'm still on the I'm still on the hunch that it wasn't, and it should have, and it and it, and it shouldn't have been the case. I. I I think so, only because we again we don't know what the future of John Jones and Steve Miocic hold. When we've had rumors that one or both of them were going to retire after this fight, and now we're not going to see them again until International Fight Week, probably at a minimum, if not as you mentioned, the fall. We can't hold up the division for a guy. No offense, and because Jones is a goat, Miocic is a goat, but a guy who has had one fight in the last three or four years, and actually two guys who have only had one fight within the last three or four years. It makes no sense. Other than other than goat versus goat, other than money draw. Okay, so then I guess that leads me to the next part of my question then. So do you think that when... So do you think in your opinion that when Jones... Well, well no, I guess let me, let me back up. So... So are you saying that when Jones and Miocic fight, therefore they fight each other, they both retire. The interim title just go just, just goes away. It's, I mean that Aspinall doesn't 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 lose it. Whoever whoever is the interim champ would be promoted to full time champ then. Right. So then for the okay, it's then for the interim title goes away. I guess my biggest question though is is if you go into that scenario between Gone and Aspinall and Gone ends up winning it kind of ruins the whole England uh England inv- Asian crusade with or with their two champions and I'm not sure if the UFC he wants to do that or it may end up being good because of France versus England uh right so to speak there's some sort of there's some sort of storyline there. I think yeah, there is there is some sort of storyline. Sam the whole point I'm just trying to make is 
under most circumstances with Jones out for as long as it was. I mean, look, we just talked about the light heavyweight division. Look what year he did. Look what Jamal Hill did. Under those normal circumstances, they vacate the title. But Jones isn't vacating the title. Stipe wants Jones. Jones wants Stipe. The UFC wants that fight. They want it for a heavyweight title. They're doing everything in their power to get it to happen, especially if they can get it to happen in International Fight Week 2024. So at this point, Sam, now the division is locked up and you can't have the division locked up, especially because Jones and Stipe, you don't know what their futures are. So at least with this interim, at least with this interim title, there's there's a plan in place that if both of them go, well, we have a new full-time champion. If not, if the champ remains, then whoever holds the interim fight belt can go title fight. Well, I have a I uh, I have a I have a take. So I this is what this is what I'm going to predict. So here we go. So they're going to make Jones versus Stipe. They're probably going to book it in like February or something, and they'll probably end up having some sort of world tour. And I'm just going to shoot it as straight as I possibly can. Be- is if if you noticed with the with the last major um, UFC milestone event, um, hang on, uh, Tom, are you are you, are you still there? Okay, okay. I just okay. Got can you can you repeat your question? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I said I have a I have a taken of predictions. Like here's okay. my here, here's my prediction. They're gonna they're they're gonna make Jones and Stipe at a minimum for International Fight Week. So let's call it UFC three hundred two. Okay, whatever we can draw. That's going to be probably right after the fourth. So my prediction is going to be this: they're going to book the fight in February. They're going to have this whole world tour planned out. They're going to go. They're, they're going to go oh, through the world tour. It's it's going to be fine. I think in mid June or so, the, the the fight is going to fall out one way or another. That's what that's what that's what I think. And and then I think instead of the UFC doing what they did, which is forcing which is forcing this fight. To continue to get the weight and the weight and the weight, I they'll think say, they'll just say screw it. We'll put Aspinall in whoever fell out's place. That, 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 I don't like. That's what I. That's what I. That's what I think. Yeah. I don't. Yeah, I think San. And now credit to you. I think that's risky. Already predicting a fallout, but if that happens again, I'll give you credit on this interim. Your take on this interim idea. Yeah, if this fight falls out again, the UFC will have no choice. They'll have to put whoever's the interim champ in the place of either Jones or Stipe, whoever falls out. Yeah, and the reason why I'm saying they can't delay this fight a second time is because... You can't hold the division up. You can't hold the division up, and there's too many stakes financially for it just to be a disaster. That's what that's what I... That, that, that's what, that's which, what I think. Which also connects with this end of the full belt when it comes to UFC 300, but that is for later in the show. Let's... Well, I'll come back. I'll circle back to that when it's time for UFC 300. Nevertheless, Tom Aspinall, big congrats to him. This is one of those things where the UFC, they put their, you know, push behind a fighter and boy, has it paid off. I guess one final question before we get off of this. If God forbid the UFC had found out about Aspinall's pulled muscle in his back two weeks before the fight, in that that scenario, do you think Cyril got and would have been waiting in the wings to step in for. I, I don't think there would. I don't think there would have been a choice. Okay. I don't think there would have been a choice. You know, should he get another title shot again? Heavily debated, probably not. But you know, after you promised Jones Stipe and you don't follow through on that, granted, not their fault. Jones tore his pack, but you gotta fill the garden card with something. Absolutely. 
All right, just quickly running through the rest of the main card. Uh, all finishes on this card. Jessica Andrade getting back in the win column against Mackenzie Dern. Zan, what the hell was Mackenzie Dern striking in that fight? Uh, it was uh, it was non-existent and shocking, to be quite honest with you. If you told me, if you had put the Angela Hill fight and this fight side by side, I would have thought I was watching a completely different fighter in there. Um, she looked like she was six steps below but she normally yeah. is. I don't know. I don't know if it was. Uh, go ahead. Sorry. I'll be quite. I'll be quite blunt. She looked like a white belt striking in there. She had. Yeah, yeah. She had. She was dropping her hand. She had no defense. She was leaving her head open. Like you don't do that with a top five fighter like Jessica Andrade. No, you don't. It was absolutely terrible, and I. I somebody in the MMA chat. I think it might have been Curtis said. You know, with the performance like that, she's actually, I don't think it was Curtis, it was on the other MMA news guys, but you're not going to be out of this. Like, Mackenzie Dern will be stuck at six, ranking six through 10 with the kind of performance she put on against the top five, like Andrade. Zan, I say, if her striking was this a bad night or was this a regression? Because I know she was getting killed by the broadcast team because she basically walked away from Jason Perillo, who. Dan, ever since she had paired up with Jason Perillo, her striking had definitely improved. But now that she walked away, her striking has regressed. And if this actually is a regression, not just a bad night, I don't know if she's even going to maintain a 6-10 to 10 ranking. No, it's, it's hard to... After a performance like that, it's, it's hard to say for sure. And obviously everyone is an off night, but when you're, when you're a top... When you're a top 10, top 8 fighter in a division that's just full of just studs. You you can't you you can't be going out there to win in in laying an egg and someone that hadn't won a fight in, in what a year a year and a half? It's Andrade had lost her last three in a row. Unreal. Unreal. We we were saying that Andrade needed to take a break and Mackenzie Dern was probably gonna solidify the idea that she needed a break and now now she's back in the wind column. Now she's rebounded. Yeah, good for her. As you and I were kind of calling for the end of her glory run, she's she's definitely back to where she should be. And even though Dern's striking was horrible, you have to credit Andrade for just sticking with it, going in there and looking like her former championship for himself, which could set up a huge 2024 for her if she, he stays on the trajectory that she's on. It'll, it'll, be, it'll be very interesting to see who the UFC... He books her against next. Who do you think uh, she'll fight? I don't necessarily know. I want to have a look right now at the strawweight rankings because I think, Zan, the smart thing to do in the UFC's case is to get her back on a win streak, which means maybe try and pair her up with, you know, a winnable, I won't say, I won't say easy, I won't say tomato can, but some form of winnable fight. My concern, Zan, is who that winnable fight's going to be because it's definitely not going to be anybody in the top five. Um, Mackenzie Dern was ranked number seven. Uh, under her, you've got, I mean, above, sandwiched between them at six, you have Verna Jandaroba, and then underneath them, you have Marina Rodriguez, Luana Pinheiro, and T Tabatha Ritchie, who just lost her fight uh, this past Saturday. So. I don't know. Do you book her with Pinheiro, maybe? 
what I what I worry is is that's not that's not as exciting as uh, as her or as as her versus Rodriguez, and I, I know that that sounds controversial. It's because she she's just getting back on a winning streak, but I just just feel like if you if you book Andra, as you can some. Or I just worry it's gonna. I just worry it's gonna be a wrestle fest the whole the, the the whole fight. I know, I know. This one's a tough one, unless this is a scenario where we say wait it out, because we were we were calling for a rush before. So yeah, and where where is Angela Hill ranked at? Uh, as of this, uh, number twelve. That actually might be a fight worth looking into. I think. And uh, Hill would be Hill would be undefeated, and she always has performance of the night bonuses and stuff and stuff like that. That would be a, that would be a fun fight for a UFC fight night main event. I could definitely see that. Yeah, I I I think I think that's more entertaining than the first option you gave me. Also, also, also. I mean, that. I'm just going off of I'm just going off of the idea of rankings and what logistically could be best now, next. Now, do you now do you think it would? Sky Andrade fought, uh, fought, fought Marina Hadri. Is that right now? Would you say? Would you say she would win that fight or lose that fight? In your, in your, in your I, might, I might be tempted to go Marina Rodriguez for that one. By uh, by by decision or finish? What do you? What do you? What do you? What do you? Maybe think a decision. I don't think Rod- I think Andrade's too tough for Rodriguez to finish. Okay, are you are you going to go as far as saying that Andrade? Looks back to her old self, or does she need? Does she need one more fight? I I need another fight. Not Zan. Not after that horrendous striking performance from Dern. I need another fight. Okay. Could you see a scenario where Andrade gets booked on the UFC 300 prelims? Because I I I, 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 I see could. it. I, I do could. see it. I could for sure. I do. Oh, one thing we've forgotten to mention is where does Mackenzie Dern go from here after this? I think she needs to take a long time off. That's what I. That's what I. That's what I think. I. I think. I think she needs to to tell. J- I think she needs to go to Jason Perillo and beg for her for him to come back. I think so too. I point blank because her striking looked much better under him. All right, quickly running through the rest of the main card: Benoit Saint Denis. Absolutely right brutal. I was right on this one. I told you. Head kick knockout. Yeah, I give you the credit, but I did not expect a head kick knockout. It was absolutely brutal. And now, Zan, I want to give him some credit. The guts that he has to call out Justin Poirier and Justin Gage. He's not going to get one of those guys next, but... No, but you got it. He's made a statement. No, but you got it. You got it. You got to admit, his, his, call, his call out was hilarious. <laughs> absolutely. And he definitely made a statement. He's going to get... Zan, he's going to get a top 10 fighter next probably he's going to get probably get someone ranked from number seven maybe down to like even number 11 or 12 if who's, not top who, 10 who's who, who's above him right now all right so this is actually zan the list i have is unupdated because it still has for vol at 14 which right. i assume benoit saint denis is going to take that spot come the time this show airs so above him, the four names above him from 13 to 10 would Great. be Renato Moicano, Bobby Green, Jalen Turner, and RDA. Bobby Green is a crazy fight. <laughs> Bobby Green versus Benoit St. Denis all of a sudden is a fight that I want to see all of a sudden. <laughs> Absolutely. 
Could you imagine if Bobby Green knocks out Benoit Saint Denis the way he did Drew Dober? Zan, Bobby Green slowly but surely making a case for a title shot even all these years later. It's crazy. Uh, crazy. And it, yeah, absolutely crazy. And then opening the main card, Zan, a fight that actually made me sad because my rider guy lost. I, I, know. I, I I'm eating crow. I'm eating crow now. I know the second the second Johnny Anderson rider shout out, he gets knocked out. <laughs> this this napkin is full of crow, Zan. I'm going to munch on it later. Did you did you think at first that Pat Sabatini had a chance or no? Yes. I thought he was going to get a first round finish. <laughs> I oh. mean, the fight did end in a first round finish, just not for Sabatini. No, I know. You think Pat Sabatini is going to take a couple months off and see where see where he yes. see, where, see where yeah. he goes from here? I yeah. think so. Do you, do you think that do you think that Lopez is a prospect in the making, or are you not or are you not buying the hype just yet? Oh, I'm buying it. I can and I can definitely see a top fifteen opponent for him next. Could you see a top fifteen opponent and him headlining a fight in Mexico at some point? Because I, 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 I could. Well, Zen, funny you say that. I know it's ten months away, but Dana just said he's booked the Spear, the MSG Spear in Vegas for Independence Day weekend. You got to assume he, he'll probably have a fight or two between them. But Diego Lopez should be on that card. Yeah, for sure. And by the way, that's been rumored to be the long awaited match having Valentina and Alexa. It would be very interesting. So, so nice. nice. He did the wheels are in motion. And yeah, for, for sure, he should definitely he should definitely be considered for that. For sure. Overall, Zen, I say, you know, entertaining fight. The, I mean, entertaining fights, main card, all finishes. Main event was a little controversial. Mackenzie Dern flat out sucked. Uh, pre some of the prelims weren't great. I would give this Zan somewhere like A minus B plus. Yeah, um, I think A minus is what I would go with. The main card won me over for sure. Yeah, I would go with an A minus. I know a lot of people are like, "Oh, this was fantastic." Again, I think it's kind of hard for you know after a hot summer of two ninety, two ninety one, and two ninety two to be topped. Well, yeah, with one with one card to go, I'm still sticking with my pick that 291 was the best card of the year. And I'm still sticking with my pick that 290 was. <laughs> okay. So, so the the hot UFC summer, and and no disrespect to Leon and Colby no. and uh, and Pantoja no. and uh, Royval, but I don't. I'm not going to give 296 a chance to top either of those. Oh, I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't. Think so either because I just have this weird feeling that Tony Ferguson versus Patty Pimplett is going to be a total letdown, which I think is actually why I part of why I lean two ninety over two ninety one. It's just because I just don't get it. Why does the UFC continue to bring Tony Ferguson out? I don't know. Probably just because it's a name and he's a fan favorite. But what they're failing to realize is he's not the same Tony Ferguson that he was five years ago. Inability, so. and I'm concerned about his mental well-being. And Zan, quite frankly, uh, records-wise, if he loses to Patty, he ties BJ's record for longest losing streak I, ever. I know, I know, unreal, and just and just crazy to think that three years ago we were talking about this guy fighting could be for for the possibility of a, of, of of a fifth booking, and 
ever, ever, ever since then, he has not been the same fighter. It's very disappointing. No. All right. Speaking of potential disappointments, then, I know we have a lot of news to run through, but I think we have to give Bellator its fair share, its fair doing. Zen, this potentially could be the last Bellator ever. It's definitely, it's definitely the end one way or another. Obviously, we have the rumors of whatever the Bellator PFL purchases. And now rumors from, uh, let's say, sources close to us off the record. Zan, we don't know if this deal is even going through. And Zan, we don't have anything from PFL. We don't have anything from Bellator. And we're about to enter the fight. No, we are in the fight week of 301, the last event scheduled on the Bellator books right now. This is concerning. Yeah, um, I'm just going to say it. I've never been more anxious to go to an MMA event in my entire life for the sole purpose that I don't know if everything is going to be a last or if everything is going to continue as such. It's so it's so confusing that me, as someone who I feel like is in the know with most things Bellator and has no idea what's going going on and it's just it's literally it's literally just madness and even and even to see that there are 16 fights on the card which is something i've never seen personally on M- on the mma and i've never seen 16 fights on one card before that this just leads to a ton of concerns for me and i really don't want there to be concerns i want this event to be successful for everyone's sake but mm-hmm. just just the, the the coverage around it to me just feels very it, it feels very un-Bellator like. I can say with certainty that 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 with me being there, Bellator 297 definitely felt bigger than what this event is currently feeling right now. It's not getting the respect it deserves. Number one and number two, I think there's all this behind the scenes of going on that no one knows about. That's overshadowing how good the card actually is. So to me, with this potentially being the final one ever. I think the, the 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 vibe in my description of this is more so just nervousness and and, and, and anguish to be quite to be quite honest. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I mean, San, we've seen the ups and downs of Bellator. We've been there for the good and the bad. I think my first Bellator card I watched was at some point in the early 2010s. It was not long after Strike Force started its process of starting to go away that I tuned into a Bellator card. It was still in the days of the tournaments and the seasons. Uh, I remember buying Zand. I remember buying the first Bellator pay-per-view in 2014. I remember buying the second Bellator pay-per-view, the one in New York City in 2017. And it's amazing, Zant, to see what has happened with this promotion and the good and the bad. I mean, I remember the great, um, what's it called, exodus from the UFC to Bellator. When you saw guys like Rory McDonald and you saw guys like Gagard Musasi start to go over and the, the zone deal that happened a couple of years later, and you thought maybe strides were being made that obviously it was the number two at that time, but that it could be a true competitor and just nothing ever was the same at that point. Yeah, it's funny you bring up the Bellator NYC card because looking above me in my room at the moment is the movie theater poster that they gave everyone who watched Bellator NYC in theaters. So I do have, I do have a piece of memorabilia history. Uh, if I do, if I do see so myself, my first Bellator card that I remember watching was 
Um, Eddie Alvarez versus Michael Chandler, the um, the the classic one from 2011. Uh, most people remember where they were when they saw that because it was the same night as UFC 139. So there was a lot of back and forth on which fight did you see that night. So I remember that. And then the first Bellator event I remember going to was uh, I think it was Rampage versus King Mo. Uh, and they had, they had one of their two fights in Chicago. I remember being at that one. And then the other one I vividly remember being at, this is before I became a member of the media, was uh, was Fedor versus Frank Mir when Fedor knocked out Frank Mir. And mm-hmm. uh, once they transitioned over to over to Wintrust, which is where the event is going to be this weekend, the, the, the cards have felt bigger. So, the, so for those of you who don't know and haven't followed the show for quite for quite a bit, this is my third uh, Bellator event is media in the history that we, we've done this show. My first was Bellator 288, and then there was Bellator 297, and now Bellator 301. Um, I guess what I can say is, with this potentially being the final Bellator ever, Scott Coker did keep his promise to me when I asked him in June if uh, he was going to continue making Chicago a priority, and apparently he has because Oh, this is our third event in the in 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 my city at least in in in, in a year. Which, if you would have told me that during COVID that Bellator would be in Chicago three times in the calendar year, I probably would I probably would have laughed at you. I would mean, no no way. So mm-hmm. it, it's pretty wild to think about, and I'm just I'm a little bit I'm a little bit worried that they're they're overstacking the card because they don't want to. The, the, they may be overstacking the card, in my opinion, to delude the fans of something else when something else is really going on, and that's the uh, that's the that's the worry that I have at the moment. I think that's a le- that's a legitimate worry at this point. I mean, Zen, there are no other fights scheduled because Bellator. What they usually do is on a fight on a fight like Friday, they'll at one point instead of doing a big talking segment. I mean, they'll have a talking segment, but it, they'll also say, "Oh, here's a look at some of the fights you got coming up here on Showtime." And there's no future Bellator's announced. Showtime we talked about is getting out of the sports game, let alone the combat sports game. So, I mean, what is there really to promote? It feels like it's just going to be fight after fight after fight. Yeah, that's what that's what I that's what I think too. And um what I also what I also think is interesting, and I've mentioned this to you two off the air, so I guess I'm gonna say it because it's now out there in the in the public sphere now. Um for those who who, who don't know, uh their 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 media weeks are usually pretty stacked. It's usually about four days of media that they do. For for, for this one, it's only two. And for me, even though we don't know the reason why, for me personally, having gone to a bunch of these now. That's that's a little bit concerning because Bellator usually you know cares about all the coverage that all the MMA media gives them. So for us to for us to have less opportunities for the people that are going to the event, I think it's also a little bit of a concern too. But enough of my enough of my power holding and moaning. Let's talk about let's talk about the actual fights that are scheduled, or at least we hope we'll look into, and you hopefully. Buy, a Friday when the card goes off at 4 p.m. Central. The main event, Bellator Welterweight Championship, a fight that we've been waiting to see for quite some time. Yaroslav Amosov versus Jason Jackson, who's quite jacked up to fight in Chicago. Um, I mean, Sam, you got, this is an interesting one because I think this is definitely your traditional grappler versus striker kind of battle. You got Amosov, former Sambo champion, 
uh, and the current champion who carries, I, th- I said it before, Zan, in his return fight earlier this year, and I'll say it again, he carries the weight of an entire nation from Ukraine. And then he takes on Jason Jackson, who's been a rising contender. And Zan, he is the kick-ass machine for a reason. His striking is fantastic. So ultimately, what do you think will... What do you think will come out on top, Abasov and his Sambo, or do you think Jackson striking is going to be able to get around that? I think Jackson drops Abasov up in the first round, gets the crowd, gets the crowd, oh, their gets the crowd to their feet. I think Abasov survives an early flurry, and I, I think he comes back in the second round, gets his Jackson out, and eventually submits him and flips the flips the script and uh, and keeps and keeps his championship. That's what. That's what I think. So I think Amosov overcomes adversity and def- and def- and the welterweight title. What do you What do you think? I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with you, Zan. I think Jason Jackson will come out with a very big flurry, but I think Amosov's sambo is and I think his experience is probably going to be too much for Jackson. Uh, Amosov in his prime. I'm going to go with Amosov. I say second round TKO or second round. You said TKO. No, I said second round rear naked choke. A oh, rear naked choke. Okay, you know what? Then I'm I'm actually gonna li- agree with you. I think it's gonna be a second round submission. I think as well for Amosov to retain the welterweight title. I also think that the longer the fight goes, the longer it favors Amosov. The shorter the fight is, the more it favors the uh, opposite side in Jackson. So just things to keep in mind for those who are thinking about playing one side or the other, if you know what I mean. So um, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, here's my question, Zan, as we move on to the next fight. I mean, considering the next fight, Zan, is for an undisputed title, you got a champion and interim champion. Do you agree with the decision? I, I mean, maybe it's because, again, of weight class, the heavier weight, but do you agree with the decision to have Almasov be the potential last fight for Bellator over Sergio Mpachi? No. Pettis versus Mix is without a doubt a, a, bigger, a bigger fight and a more historical fight, for sure. So let's talk about that one now. Uh, co-main event, Sergio Pettis, Patchy Mix, champ versus interim champ. One man will walk out of the Bellator cage for the last, potentially for the last time as the undisputed Bellator bantamweight champion. My question is, obviously, Patchy Mix had a lot to go through when it came to the Bellator bantamweight Grand Prix to become the interim champ, having to knock off Rafael Stotts in the final. Is that going to be enough experience to take down Sergio Pettis? Or you think Sergio, obviously he was forced out of the Bantamweight Grand Prix because of injury, but do you think his experience and I guess his rest, for lack of a better term, will give him an edge against Patchy? Yeah, I mean, I think I think this is uh, I, I think this is Pettis's fight to lose, and I think having fought in Chicago previously uh, earlier this year is. And to do him wonders because he'll know what the crowd is like. He'll know what the arena is. Like he'll know what just the just the vibes are. I think going back to a place where you're familiar, it's against the guy that's had to go through a lot. Against the guy that probably feels like he's gotten screwed um, for, for for this entire sequence. I think it's going to be bad news, and I think the Pettis tradition continues with another with another win here. To Without a doubt, cement Sergio Pettis' legacy is the greatest Bellator bantamweight of all time. That's what I, that's what that's what I think. I think that's quite a bold take to consider him the greatest Bellator bantamweight. However, 
I think he definitely has had a hell of a lot of experience between his time with the UFC, his time here in Bellator. And I think all that experience is going to play out and be a little too much for Apache. I think it's going to be a competitive fight. I think this one goes the distance, but I think Pettis will get at, win at least three rounds on at least two judges scorecards. Maybe even the third will give him four rounds. And I'm going to go Pettis by decision to become, I need to retain the title, be the undisputed champ. Would you be shocked if, because I would be personally, would you be shocked if Mix knocked out Pettis or no? I, w- I would be. I would be. I would be shocked. If Mix knocks out Pettis? Yeah. You would, would. would be shocked? I would be, yeah. I would. I don't know if I would be. I, I can't count out Patchy Mix's striking. He's got some good power. Interesting. Well, do, do you think do you think e- either which way th- this is going to make a case for a potential Bellator fight of the year candidate? Because yeah, I, absolutely. I, I, absolutely. I do. I do. Absolutely. And again, this fight, in, in my personal opinion and yours, this one should be the closer. This one should be the main event for and not uh, and no offense to Amasov and Jackson, but I would have preferred this fight to be the closer. I think so too. But you know what else gets me entertained, Sand? You know what else I'm hyped for? Hype for this one. This one just this one just smells of entertainment. Stotts and Savatello. Oh, I can't wait. Well, for those who don't know the backstory, I was at the impromptu press conference between these two before their first fight. I could Bellator 29 and they, they just, they, they just went at it. And it was a, it was a spectacle. And unfortunately the press conference was more entertaining than the fight itself. So hopefully, uh, hopefully this rematch will satisfy everybody's appetite. And, uh, you have no idea how excited I am to get to the, this press conference, um, uh, Wednesday. Cause it's going to get, it's going to get, it's going to get dark really, 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 really quickly. I'm I'm very certain of that. Unfortunately for Mr. Sabatello, I think the press conference is the only thing he's going to be winning. I think I, 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 I think, think so. Stott, I, I think so too. I, I think, think Stott so is too. just again. I started to say experience again, but the only word in my mind right now. I think the experience of Stott combined with the idea that I'm sorry, he was just flat out dominant in their first fight. Uh, you know, do I think Stott could get could improve it by getting a finish? Yes, but. I, I think regardless, there's no way Sabatel is winning this one. Give me Stotts. I don't have any prediction. Stotts knocks out Sabatel with a flying knee. That's what, that's what I. That's what that's what I think. Could you imagine? Could you imagine if Stotts, after some of the only the only couple of times he's been knocked out, Zan? I think back to that Rob fight where he got knocked out by the spinning back. Could you imagine if Stotts knocks out Sabatello with a spinning back fist? That would be that would be that would be hilarious. I I I wonder if that if that could play out. That would be that that would be hilarious. And yeah, I'm with you too. I think Sabatello wins the press conference, but he does not win the fight on for 89. I could be wrong though. Sabatello could have made some adjustments, gotten a little bit better, and cleaned up some holes in his game. Maybe maybe his wrestling is a little bit more polished. Um, maybe maybe he grinds out a decision against Stotts, but with this being a three round fight instead of a five round fight, uh, I don't I don't think it'll um, I I don't think it'll impact uh, Stotts all that much. I just think Stotts overall is the better fighter anyway, and uh, I think he'll I think it will show that it, this fight's great for the backstory 
purposes of it because they can't stand each other. But in terms of the fight itself, it may end up going very similarly to the first fight. So for sure. Uh, we also got AJ McKee taking on Sydney Outlaw. I like this matchup. This sounds fun. I think Sydney Outlaw is talented, but compared to AJ McKee and considering McKee's little redemption road after the controversial loss of his title back to Patricio Pitbull, yeah, I think uh, I think AJ McKee gets this done in the first round, maybe early second round. Yeah, this is this is one of the those fights where AJ McKee is hoping and praying to send the FU message to all of the Pitbull fans and all of the doubters that think that he doesn't have it anymore. And I think Sydney out was just the one that he's going to end up taking it out on, unfortunately. So, yeah. and, and this, this is no disrespect to Sydney out. Well, Sydney out was a great fighter, but he's going to have to pull out all of the, all of the stops to pull, pull up, to pull up this upset. And it's going to be, it's going to be harder than it looks. You only way I see Outlaw winning this fight is by some sort of controversial um, uh, and highly that, controversial decision that, that that just has not not just media row in ambles, but the entire but the entire uh, venue too. So yeah, I don't want to be in Chicago if there's a if there's a controversial decision like that. Oh yeah, I, I'm I, I'm nervous that this might actually end up in one of the fights I choose. Not. I had to, I had to sit at my seat for it, just like I did, just just like I did for the for uh, for uh, for two ninety seven. You never, yeah. you, never, you never know. Depending on depending on how the vibe of the night plays out, so uh, we'll see. But uh, give me McKee and give me the safe pick by by McKee winning by a uh, decision. So all right, uh, opening the main card for Bellator finals. Uh, the semifinal fight with the Bellator Lightweight Grand Prix, uh, Patricky Pitbull taking on Alexander Shabili, which let's talk about the fight itself, Sam, because this fight has taken on a little bit of a newer meaning. But um, I'm going to say, give me, you know, I've been going experience this whole day. I'll go at with it again. Give me Patricky Pitbull. Give me a decision win for him. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to take a twist on you. I, I think uh, I think Billy upsets Pitbull, and I think he I think he finishes them. All right. Uh, any reason particularly why? I just think there's the, I don't know because you you haven't been to these yet. There's this weird error. There's this weird error in Chicago at one major upset on every main card that usually I've been to. Like yeah. Usually, you, you usually usually happens, and this is the this is the this is the fight. Fair enough. All right, but let's talk about now as we go into the news stories, as we got to quickly run through these uh, five news stories that we got. This fight takes on a little bit more of a different meaning now in the wake of Usman Nurmagomedov. So Usman Nurmagomedov this past weekend has failed a drug test. According to a statement um, by CSA, California State Athletic Commission exec Andy Foster, he gave this statement to Ariel Helwani. Um, Nurmagomedov did not get an exemption. Nurmagomedov apparently had a prescription. He was recommended something by a, by a doctor, but he did not get an exemption into the state athletic commission by the time. As a result, he has been suspended six months. There is no update as of our recording time. What's going to happen with the Grand Prix? What's going to happen with Nurmagomedov's title reign? His win over Primus has been overturned to a no contest. So the assumption that I'm going to make, Xan, is Primus is going to go into the final. The question is, is the Pitbull Shabili winner 
going to fight Primus for an interim belt, and then the winner will just fight Nurmagomedov, a la what's going on right now with Sergio Pettis and Patchy Mix because of Sergio's injury during the Bantamweight Grand Prix? Or are they going to strip Nurmagomedov because of the failed drug test, and then whoever wins the Pitbull Shabili fight is going to fight Primus for a vacant title? That's and again, if Bellator is going to continue on. Or do you think that the entire tournament just gets scrapped altogether? Which could happen again because we don't know what the fate is. Right. I would say roughly the, the first option that you gave is uh, is probably what they're going to go with where Primus advances because now that that's no contest, therefore you can't screw over Primus for something that he didn't do. So Fair enough. Right. Yeah. That's what... That's what I think. So I'm going to go off the assumption that Primus fights the winner of Pitbull and Shabili. Um, whoever ends that fight, hopefully, assuming that Bellator is, is still around uh, in, in Q1 or Q2 of 2024. And this is a fight that no matter who, um, no matter, no matter, I, I would, I would love to see um, Primus versus Shabili, considering that they fought before. So I'd like to, I'd like to see how, I'd like to see how a rematch goes. And, then, and obviously, Shabili beat him. So Oh, there, there's already a built-in storyline there if they go that route. And uh, I mean, to, to me, that that's the most logical thing. I can get. Well, I can't guarantee you this, but I can give you a ninety percent probability that Primus is going to be front and center watching that either 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 in Chicago or back home just to see what the heck happens uh, with those two. And um, truly, from someone who uh, who had a nice in the Actually, with Usman Nurmagomedov around uh, uh, last year on this time, to me, it almost me out because I thought for sure he was a shoe-in to win the entire tournament before be, before this happened. I, I did say on this show when the last time we talked about the Grand Prix, I said this was Usman's to lose, and and now and now and now it is. <laughs> and now he has lost it. Yeah, yeah, not in the cage though, not in the cage, but right. and and of course, Conor McGregor is. Uh, Parading around on social media saying cheaters, cheaters, you know, and trashing the Nurmagomedovs because, of course, he is right. Because, of course, Conor McGregor has nothing else to do with this point. Well, sort of, kind of, but you know what I, you know what I mean. So, do especially, you, think, especially when he's coming off of USADA controversy of his own? Do you do, do you think Freeman's versus Shabili is a better storyline than uh than uh than um better than, better storyline? Yes, better fight. No, I no. I want to see Usman in there. No, I no no no. I I agree. I agree for sure. For sure. All right. So if you were to, if you were to predict the winner of this tournament now, who are you who are you picking? I'm probably gonna go with Pitbull. Okay. I'm probably gonna go with whoever wins this Pitbull Shabili fight. I would take I would take I would take Primus to win to win the tournament. I wouldn't be surprised. Like I said, if Nurmagomedov was in here, it would be no question him. But now that he's out, now that he's out, everything is up in the air at this point. Right, right. Okay. Makes sense to me, for sure. All right. Moving on. Let's talk about this. So, let's talk about Connor. So, we mentioned UFC 300 earlier. And the report was, I mean, the assumption was that Connor McGregor versus Chandler was going to be a UFC 300. You and I have said on this show before. It has to happen at UFC 300. And so the show, the schmo media um, fan favorite media personality in the MMA world has put a report out the day that UFC 295 happened. 
McGregor versus Chandler is booked, is confirmed for UFC 300. The UFC has not confirmed such a thing. And now, on yesterday's edition of the MMA Hour with, with uh, Ariel Helwani, John Kavanaugh is denying that report and saying that summer now is the more likely option. And that begs the question, who is headlining UFC 300 number one and number two, realistically, based on where the UFC is planning to go, where the fight could be potentially held is also a major question. And number three is is the is probably the biggest question of them all is, is the UFC potentially just moving away from this fight altogether, but are not willing to admit that that's what they're doing? Yeah. Well, let's, let's, go, let's go to your first question, Zan, because we talked about it earlier when we mentioned Tom Aspinall. Because the other idea I said I had in mind with Aspinall, but I didn't want to say because we hadn't brought up 300 yet, is do they say because he won in such quick fashion, you know, F it, F Europe, F London, we need a title fight for a big card like 300. But let's just throw Aspinall in there for the sake of having a heavyweight title on the line even if it's only interim. I could see it. Just think about it. UFC 200 was Misha Tate versus Amanda Nunes. Uh, and yeah. And that fight was booked on day's notice. And they and they had Jose Aldo versus Frankie Edgar for an interim title, assuming the winner was going to take on Connor. Right. So there's that as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, Sam, and that's not the only time Obviously, this was uh, this was John Kavanaugh talking, but this past weekend at the post-fight presser, Dana said the Oliveira-Islam rematch. He now said that is also more likely going to be summer. So if you're going to book all three of those guys, all four of those guys, pardon me, not till summer, if you're going to throw O'Malley on 299, Volk on 298, Izzy Adesanya is not going to fight for most of, if not all, of 24. Who the bleep is headlining UFC 300? Probably Pereira versus Hill, because that's your only. At this, at this point, that's the only thing. And Sam, one other thing that scares me is you mentioned it before we started recording. Leon said after Colby, he'd be interested in fighting whoever wins between Strickland and Duplessis at 297, going for champ champ status, which sounds great. But what happens if Leon or Strickland or DD, or DDP? come out of that fight, come out of one of their fights with some sort of injury. Like you kind of alluded to me before we started recording, it's Australia all over again if that happens. It is. It is. And, and you can't do that with UFC 300. No, and, and maybe we're overreacting to this, and maybe behind the scenes McGregor versus Chandler is actually being booked, but no one, but, but no one can say anything yet for fear of NDA and whatever, but but if, if this if this isn't the fight, it's hard for us to know what the fight actually is because right now they're running they're running out of options. Practically every single division is booked with a championship fight at this point. And 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 geez, the the, the UFC is probably wishing that the uh, that 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 John Jones wasn't out for so long because guaranteed if John Jones was healthy, he he would be he would be the next front row. Or to headline UFC 300, even though the UFC admitted back in 2016 they would never headline him in Vegas ever again. That uh, that, yeah. that, obviously, that obviously has since been proven false. But um, 
there's still a lot of questions. I'm still holding out hope, and I, I know it isn't much hope, but I'm still holding out hope that McGregor versus Chandler is getting booked for UFC 300. To me, it's either a money issue or a, or a venue issue at this point. That's what, first, that's why, first that's all, what I think. Yeah, when you're talking about being proven wrong with the whole, uh, you know, Dana, what he said about John Jones in Vegas. Zan, uh, Dana White's word is like what James Harden refers to Daryl Morey. Morey is a liar. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, no, no kidding. But yeah, I mean, just Zan, I mean, I'm going to take the word that I said I was going to have. If this fight doesn't happen at UFC 300, Zan, then F it. I don't want to see it. You cannot have us wait a whole year after they do a tough season for this fight to go down unless there's some sort of injury or something. And Zan, I would put this on the fault of McGregor and the UFC because part of it was the USADA thing, which they should have just bit the bullet. Connor should have just gone into the pool and during the summertime. So we could have had this fight next month for in January. And, you know, we would have been happy. And now we're sitting here and we have no idea if this fight's going to happen if it happens, when it happens, and we have no idea who the heck is even going to headline UFC 300 at the point. Zan, I would question at this point if UFC 300, if the UFC is even going to have a pay-per-view in April. Why don't they just push it to 300 to May at this rate that they're going? I mean, do you think they could really do that, though? I don't think, I don't think they I, could. I don't think, I don't think so. I don't think so either, Zan, but, but you understand my logic at this point. Right. Up is down. Okay. Down is up. And the UFC is not making any logical sense. You'd think this would be done one, two, three, but no, it's Connor. So we got to go through a whole drama. <laughs> it's like, it's, it's like uh, Gennady Golovkin, the big drama show. Right. Oh, so I'm going to, I'm going to still stick with the assumption that I think this fight is happening. In UFC 300. It is my personal inkling. What do you, what do you, what do you, what do you think? It's, I, not, I, only my, it's not only my inkling saying, it's not only my inkling, Zan, it better be. It better be the 300 headliner. So when they, so, so you, we tried to do this months ago with this whole deadline conversation. What is your newfound, what is your newfound UFC matchmaking deadline to ensure that this fight still is, but what are you, what, what are you getting the, what are you giving the UFC until in order for to potentially make this fight a reality? Maybe by the Super Bowl card. So you think by the Super Bowl card we should have a UFC 300 main event? Yes. And you think by the Super Bowl card the main event is going to be Conor McGregor versus Michael Chandler? Again, it better be. What do you think honestly is holding the fight up? First, I would say USADA. But if but now with that, everything is still up in the air. Now I think we're getting into money issues. I think so too. And also, also, I think the one theory we haven't brought up yet is Conor McGregor potentially being forced into a co-main event position because of because of a title fight. The UFC wants to book as the main event, and I'm sure Conor noted that. But Sam, we've talked about that Conor would be the one exception, right? But that Conor has the that has the star power to be the exception to. You know, a title fight could be underneath them. Yeah, I mean, and that's true, but do you think the UFC is getting to the point where they're like, we have too many title fights that we literally cannot afford to 
put this on anything else other than than a main event position, and he's just like, I don't care. What do you? What do you? What do you think? I know they've tried to do that before, and he threw a hissy fit and nearly retired, and they've given in to him. Zan, unfortunately for the UFC, it goes back to what I've talked about. Connor has more. Connor has more leverage than Dana White, so I think they're going to be forced to put him in a main event position. I think so too. The other theory that I think is a possibility is, uh, I think my theory is there are five or six venues that I'm not going to name because I don't know them at all. This is just a wild guess out of the blue, but I'm just going to say it because I think it sounds good for the narrative that, that they're trying to push. It frankly, we're not at the one trying to push this narrative. They are. My theory is that there are five or six venues that at this fight, and they're all fighting about which which venue which which venue is UFC 300 going to take place at. That's what that's what I that's what I think. I could see that. Let me throw in something that you mentioned before off the air, though, Zan. Do you think TKO is trying to get its hands involved in this a little bit too? I, I do, I do, and so. in some sort of way. They want to try to make it, even though it's not it's not it. I think TKO wants to try to make this as WWE ish as possible. Well, I was gonna say, I was gonna say, do you think Vince McMahon and company are saying like as part of this, Connor needs to make an appearance at WrestleMania or something a couple weeks before? I could argue that that's potentially possible, but no one's leaking it for fear of uh, retribution. But yeah, I could, I could, I could see that. All right, fair enough. All right, let's quickly, Zan, run through a couple of boxing headlines. Francis Ngannou, he told TMZ Sports he's willing to wait until after Fury and Usyk have their unification bout in February for a rematch. Now, interesting to note, uh, the WBC supposedly this week is going to put him officially, and Ngannou, that is, in their top 10 for the heavyweight rankings, which would mean and Ganu would qualify for a heavyweight title shot if a, if a rematch were to happen. I buy that. I mean, Francis Ngannou can wait around for as long as he wants. He he, he doesn't he, he doesn't have a care in the world. And now he made the most money he's ever made off of a Tyson Fury fight. He can sit around and have a zillion vacation right. or, or or however or or however long he wants to sit out. He can. It doesn't it doesn't matter. It's like I said. It's like I said when we were talking about the number story about the buys. It doesn't matter. He got that PFL money. He got that Saudi money. Don't matter to him now. No, no, absolutely. And he's the only fighter in boxing at the moment. As sad as it is to say, that has the luxury of doing this for the reasons you just alluded to. For sure. So my only concern, though, Zan, if a unify, if Fury goes with Nganu if they do that rematch. Number one, the Fury Usyk fight has a two-way rematch clause. So what happens if Nganu goes for a rematch, but Usyk goes for a rematch? They would have to go with Usyk because that's a contractual rematch. Plus, there's also Zan, the um, I don't know what the term would be, but you got the IBF waiting in the corner because the IBF has publicly stated we talked about it. If Fury or Usyk don't go after a rematch, and if Fury's case goes after either rematch, they'll be stripped of the IBF title. Yeah. 
I mean, there, there's a lot of variables to, to take into consideration, but the fight that needs to be made a priority is Fury Usyk. I mean, I, I agree. That's a fight that people waited to see for a long time. Uh, ruining ruining that fight or doing anything to break that fight up would be it would be a catastrophe for uh, every single person involved. And I I think Francis is doing the smart thing because he can wait, he can watch that fight. He can see who comes out on top, and then he can make the best business decision for himself. You know, if Usyk wins, maybe he decides to go to the PFL of one or two fights in the PFL. If Tyson Fury wins, it makes it makes a rematch that much bigger because he's already beat the number two heavyweight in the world uh, be, be, before a potential rematch between Fury and Ngannou. And either way, um, no, no, no matter no matter what happens, money talks and whatever whatever the case is. And whatever ends up happening, Saudi Arabia wins in the long run. So, would ever, would ever anyone in that whole in that whole uh, conundrum decides to do as as long as money is the playing factor, everybody everybody's okay. So, and Zen, funny you say that. Speaking of Saudis and speaking of boxing and their money, so now because of this, Francis Ngannou may not compete December twenty third. On that on that Saudi card, but guess what? Once again, Saudis want to go through. So now they're just throwing money at every heavyweight star they can think of. They're putting Joshua and Wilder on this card, Dan, but not against each other. No, they're gonna have Anthony Joshua reportedly headline this card against Otto Wallen. They're gonna have Deontay Wilder take on Parker in a battle of former heavyweight champions, and they're gonna have Dimitri. Bivol defended against his light heavyweight title against Richard Rivera, plus more. Yeah, plus more, and uh, this just smells disaster. You already know that. You already know that one of these fights is going to go the wrong way and blow this whole experiment up, right? I, I can already, I can already, I can already, I can already feel it. What do you, what do you, what do you think? I mean, Zan, I don't understand the logic of some of these fights. I mean, Wilder versus Parker, Zan, has the boxing tradition of being five years too late. Bivol and Rivera. And also, Joseph Parker lost to Anthony Joshua in 2017. So, yeah, it, it would, there's no question about it when you say the fight's five years too late because it absolutely is. Uh, Bivol and Rivera. Bivol should be defending his title stateside, I think. I think so, too. And Joshua Wallen, like you told me before, who asked for this fight? And how did and how did Richard Rivera get his shot against Dimitri Bivol when 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 I thought when I thought Canelo was still out there for a rematch? What's going what's going what's going well, on? Canelo, but you know Canelo's not going to fight until uh, next September. Cinco de Mayo. Cinco de Mayo. Or yeah, next May. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So very, very realistically, he could fight the winner of that fight. Probably. So, so there really isn't a problem with the fight. It's just a matter of it being in Saudi Arabia. It doesn't need. It doesn't need. It doesn't need to be there. Yeah. So this is ridiculous. Although with the names that are listed on this card, Zan, you know it's going to be promoted like a big deal. And oh, of course, okay. it's going to be right before Christmas. Of course, of course. And they're going to they're going to blow out the press conference and say that. This is one of the biggest boxing events ever. It's gonna be, it's gonna be, it's gonna be a show. And they, all they, all they, all they care about is the show and not the quality, not the quality of the. It's the, 
themselves. You and I both, you and I both know this all too, all too well. That's, that's what that's what they're trying to that's what they're trying to pull. As as I said, big drama show. Absolutely. My early picks for those are are uh, are, are are Joshua Wilder and Bivol. How about how about how about you? Yeah, yeah. It, this smells of Joshua Wilder and Bivol all getting all getting early finishes in their fights. For sure. All right. One last story, very quickly. According to a Fox Business interview, he did Logan Paul. He's claiming he is done with boxing. Obviously, he won the WWE United States Championship about 10 days ago in Saudi Arabia. Uh, and so apparently he's going to solely commit to WWE. And I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't buy it. I, I smell, I smell a BS detector going off, Zan. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't buy it because there are plenty of big money boxing matches for Logan Paul to still compete in and make millions and millions and millions of dollars that people would, quite frankly, he still want to see hell. People would, people would definitely, he still want to see somehow. Um, if, if Logan Paul and Jake Paul could box each other, it would be the biggest pay per view of all time. The, there's, there, there, there's no way you can tell me that Logan Paul is just done is is just done with boxing all of a sudden. It, it, it makes absolutely no sense. Why the fuck you lying? Why you always lying? Oh my god! Stop fucking lying! Yeah, that's the only thing I gotta say. And who and who realistically? Right now, you're you're more of a pro wrestling guy than me. But who realistically, right now, who's a big draw, could e- could could easily challenge Logan Paul? Because right now, I cannot think of I cannot think of a single person in terms of a boxing opponent. In terms of wrestling, wrestling specifically, that's what I meant. Well, right now he's in a feud with Rey Mysterio, so I mean that's all fine and dandy. But you know, like you said someone's going to call out Logan Paul and someone's going to find their way to Logan Paul. Well, do you think he's solely sticking to WWE because he no. wants to? No, wait, wait, wait. Okay, okay, okay. No, no, no. okay. I think for now, he's probably focused with WWE. Like I said, they just put the United States Championship on him. It's mid-November, so very quickly, Zan, before you know it, we're going to be approaching Royal Rumble and WrestleMania season. So he's probably going to be one apart, want to be a part of that. And WrestleMania is a very big payday, right? A very big event. So maybe for now, and then maybe towards the end of 2024, he'll be back in the boxing ring. Okay. And roughly, who do you think Logan Paul would box next? If you were to roughly guess, what do you what do you think? Do I dare say Dylan Dennis rematch? No, I would actually love to see him fight uh, KSI. It's it's probably gonna be you know what yeah it's probably gonna be because they fought twice as amateurs right right one amateur one professional one one amateur one professional okay so men maybe give the rubber match I w- I guess I wouldn't mind I say yeah. I wouldn't mind I wouldn't be a fan of it and wouldn't watch but I wouldn't mind a rubber match between those two good point very very well said I should say rubber match a third fight a trilogy fight exactly yep all right. That was a lot to break down. That's the end of this edition of the MMA Outsiders. Very quickly before I make an announcement, let me just quickly run through our, our housekeeping. Make sure to hit the like button, subscribe, hit the notification bell so you get notified of everything here at the Empty the Bench Podcast Network, including every edition of the MMA Outsiders. Make sure to follow us across social media at MMA Outsiders ETB, Facebook, X, Instagram, 
especially this weekend as Zan will be live at Bellator 301. So we'll get as much content from there as possible. Make sure to check out the Empty the Bench Podcast Network at ETB Network, Facebook, X, Instagram, and TikTok. Again, that's Sam Bando, my co-host as always. You can find his work over at BJPenn.com with MMA Knockout. He's a Bellator Rankings Committee member. Uh, and you can find his work over at Sam Bando 99 on Tom Bando. You can find my work over at Fanside MMA. And now with MMA News, you can find my work over at the PFL website with their championship events coming up. Follow me on social media at Thomas J. Albano. Uh, make sure to take uh, and the Empty the Bench Network and the MMA Outsiders on the road with you through ACAST or other audio-only platforms. If you are listening on those audio-only platforms, make sure to find our home on YouTube, youtube.com slash network. Uh, we just passed 600 subscribers, so we thank you all. Here's now to the road to 700. And don't forget to go to etvpodcast.com uh, for blogs from some of our contributors, as well as more information about the network. Programming note. Next week's schedule is going to be shaken up quite a bit because of the short week with Thanksgiving. The MMA Outsiders will be releasing in two parts uh, for episode 62. The Whether it be Sunday and Monday or Monday to Tuesday is still to be determined. Zan and I will talk about that. Uh, follow us on our social medias for updates on what the uh, official scheduling is going to be. We are not going to... We are not going to air in our normal time slot, though, next week because um, Monday night, obviously we're, we are on Tuesdays, but Monday night when we usually record is going to be a special ETB live stream of the Monday night football game between the Eagles and Chiefs. I'll be there. Zan, will you be there? I sure could be either. The, the, the tentative plan is that the answer is yes. I should I should be there. So you'll shoot, you should be there. Paul Lombardi, Paul Lombardi will be there. Nick Morgison will be there. A lot of the football Friday crew will be there for that. So make sure to check that out. And then Nick Morgison will go over later this week on ETB Sports. More of the scheduling changes that will happen only for next week because of because of Thanksgiving week. And then after that, like the like this week, Tuesday, 7 p.m. Eastern now, 4 p.m. Pacific. That is our new time that you can find us. Uh, but yeah, I think we're done. I think we've gone through a lot. Yeah, I think we're done. Just, uh, just, just real quickly uh, before we wrap up. Before we, uh, before we wrap up, um, be sure to enjoy the fights this weekend. Be, be sure to be Joe Piper this weekend, and um, be, be sure to do your best to do everything you can to check out Bellator three hundred one, as it could be the final Bellator of and in the history of Bellator. Obviously, we don't. Oh, no, the, uh, yet again, as I said at the beginning of the show, that is an answer that I'm going to try to find out along with the rest of the media members that will be there. So stay tuned for all the coverage there. Um, for Tom, I, I'm Zan. This has been another edition of the MMA Outsiders, courtesy of the Empty the Bench Podcast Network. This has been episode 61. We will catch you guys next week again, a two-parter with the third week and with Thanksgiving week. We will keep you guys posted on everything that occurs. Or is there, but until then, have a wonderful rest of your week. Take care, everybody. Take care.